Just four to seven dismissed to junior church, and eight, nine-year-olds have clipboards. morning my introduction's a little different. I often write one down and I did, but it's all scripture. What I'm doing is I'm going to quickly go through some verses. I'll give you the verses. I'll tell you what happens in them. And uh, you'll basically hear my synopsis of what I want you to get out of those three verses. But if you want to write them down, check them out later, you can do that. But it's my intro because last week I started on a lot of the miracles of Christ and reminding you that at the end of those miracles, many, many more people were affected than you first heard about. And we started with that verse from John where uh, John speaks about, I'll read the actual verse here, where John speaks that he says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the book's that would be written. And so I even shared a passage in uh, Matthew where it talks that he was at the border of Syria and that all of, they heard he was there and all of those in Syria brought their sick and demon possessed and so on and brought them uh, to be healed and he healed them all. I mentioned that at that time, uh, Syria had uh, complete health for at least one day. Uh, I got a little grief over my at least one day. And uh, I didn't mean it as a short period of time, like definitely somebody got sick the next day. I was realizing that we're still sinners and there would still be disease there and there would still be things that would happen. But temporarily, everyone in that country was in good health. It had to be a weird day. Could you imagine if that happened in the United States? Everybody in the country was in perfect health for one day. That would kind of be an oddball day, wouldn't it? Hospitals would be empty. Nobody would be there. And then how long it would take before they'd start filling up again because we still live in a sinful world and we're sinful people. So it would still have an effect on us. And uh, so I wasn't saying uh, God's healing wasn't effective. I was saying that it would last until somebody got sick again. Or there's lots of ways to discuss what can happen if you don't replace your heart with the Lord and you just leave it open for demons to come back again. All kinds of things can happen and, and we don't want to go there. That would be a whole nother story. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a whole bunch of different miracles just to remind you of the ones that were written. And uh, at the end of many of these, it says many were affected. Um, but I want you to catch these miracles. Uh, most of these are coming from Matthew. So you don't have to go very far if you want to follow. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. That's the centurion's servant. He comes to talk to the Lord about his servant. And he comments that the centurion had such great faith. The great faith like he hadn't seen in Israel before. And yet... Uh, Man was, as far as we know, not a Jew, but he came to have a servant healed, and 
he healed him without ever going there. Um, he found out uh, on his way home when he was healed and uh, timing and so on. And then others were affected by that story, his household and so on. We go to 14 through 17 of the same chapter, Peter's house, his mother-in-law. She was sick. He healed her. And in the process, there were many outside waiting for him to come out. And they wanted healed too. And he healed many others and many others were affected by that. In chapter 9, 1 through 8, he heals the paralytic brought to him by some men who cared for him. Jesus comments on their faith. That they brought him and they, their faith was great to bring him and he healed the paralytic. Um, in 18 through 26 of chapter 9, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years touched his garment. And it says, um, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. And uh, she's affected and, sh and she's in a crowd. And then the daughter of a ruler is healed, brought back to life. Um, and he comments on the, uh, the father and his faith, and that, that helped to bring her back to life. In many of these cases, it talks about belief or faith in regard to the healing. Um, in 9.27 through 31, two blind men, and they were asked, they wanted to be healed, do you believe? And they said, yes, we believe. And so he said, your faith has healed you. Um, 32 through 34, uh, a man, uh -oh. Uh, oh, a man demon-possessed and mute was brought to Jesus. He was healed. Imagine now, this isn't just healing without other people around. These are all healings with people around who, who see them happen, who participate, and who are affected by what's going on. In chapter 13, 58, not many miracles are done in Nazareth. That's where he's at. He says, because of the lack of faith. Keep in mind, uh, he talks about a, a prophet in his own home and how he's treated there. And they did not believe in him. They knew him as the carpenter's son. It was hard for them to grasp that he was Jesus Christ, God the Son. And uh, so they were having a hard time with that. And so he didn't do many miracles there. In 14, 13 through 21, he feeds 5,000 men plus wives and children. Can you imagine if you'd been part of that? Um, I often ask myself, I had a professor who said uh, when he taught the book of John, that every miracle requires faith. I thought, well, whose faith? I think at, at that location, it was the disciples. I mean, they were carrying around the plates of, of broken food. Uh, must have been amazing to see it come to the end of the row and have more than it had when it started out. And, uh, and so... Uh, there were 5,000 men plus wives and children, so a lot more than the 5,000 men. Uh, in 22 through 31, Jesus walks on water. Peter tries to walk on water. Uh, 
And he believes in the Lord, and the Lord saves him. In that situation, uh, when the Lord comes, the waves are high, and uh, they can't see very well, and uh, they cry out, oh, it's an evil spirit. And he says, uh, oh, it's me. It's me. And he says, well, if that's really you, tell me to come out there. I don't know if I would have had the nerve to do that. But, but that was Peter, and he believed the Lord. And so he leapt out on the water, seeing all the waves, he started to sink. And yet he still believed in the Lord. He cried out, Lord, save me. He trusted the Lord in that situation and got to walk on water. Would have been a cool thing. Um, a lot of other things happen in that, but that's another story for you if you want to read that. Uh, that's both in 14, 22 through 33 of, of Matthew and John 6, 14 through 24. Um, in 14, 35 and 6, uh, people had come and they just wanted to be able to touch his garment, be healed, and it says faith. Their faith is what caused that. They wanted to reach out. They believed that if they just touched the garment of the Lord, like the woman who was bleeding, that they would be healed. And many were healed. Um, in 21 through 28 of chapter 15, a woman from the uh, Tyre region, she, uh, I can't remember that story. I read all these. Sometimes my mind slips me. In case you didn't notice, I make mistakes when I'm singing and sing words that aren't even there. I just make them up as I go along if I can't remember them. So don't follow me on my words. Not, not necessarily good. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And then they have this discussion, and this is where her faith comes in. The woman came and knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Um, I guess if I'd read the rest of my notes, I would have seen that. Okay. That's what happens when you write little wee notes. Um, 15, 29 through 39 was the, the feeding of the 4,000 plus women and children. Um, in 17, 14, a boy with... A, a demon was healed. The disciples could not cast it out, and his comment was, uh, you had little faith. Um, they, they didn't have what it took. They couldn't see it happening. And so their faith, there was no faith there to heal them, so the Lord went and healed them. And uh, so at that point, um, I want to switch over now to my passage, which is John 9. See, all those were, were miracles. I started last week sharing all the miracles. I can't get them all done. 
in three Sundays. But what I want to do is get you to see that same glimpse, all these miracles done, and there were hundreds and thousands of other people affected, either by healings or, as we'll see, by believing in Christ. But everywhere he went, uh, things happened, and sometimes it caused controversy. So we're going to look at chapter 9, and we're going to see, first of all, he heals a man born blind. We're going to read through uh, part of the chapter at a time. And uh, so uh, if you're in chapter 9, you can just read along with me. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now I want to stop right there. I want to look at that miracle a little bit. Um, this man, their discussion is, and, and if you know from the Old Testament, many times they ascribe sin as the cause of sickness or illness, and, and often it is. And, but here, this man was born like this. He was blind from birth. And so they're asking, whose sin caused this? Did this happen because their parents sinned or because he sinned? Well, that would be like asking Leah if her child in her womb has sinned. If nothing happens in the womb, as far as we know, that's sin. They're just growing, getting ready to come out. But this was born blind. So did he sin or did his parents sin? They want to know who's responsible. And he says, well, neither. Neither of them are responsible. The bottom line is this was done for the glory of God. This is a situation designed for the glory of God. So this man lived a portion of his life without being able to see. He's an adult now, as you'll find out in a little while. And uh, the Lord says, uh, this was done so that we can be light in the world. Basically, he says, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, then he quotes basically something he said in John 8. He says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Christ is displaying who he is. He's trying to get people to recognize who he is. And all these miracles are about that. All these miracles are trying to say to the Jews, the Messiah has come. The Savior's here. And a lot of them are missing it. The Pharisees especially are missing it. Um, and you'll see that too also in here. Having said this, he does something that's not that unusual. He spit on the ground. He mixed up some mud. And he put it on his eyes. Now, you might think that's unusual, but after reading about this, they thought that spit had medicinal purposes for the eyes. 
people thought that it did. Now, I don't know that it was successful, but they thought it did, and they often used it in different concoctions trying to, to care for the eyes. So he puts it on the eyes of a blind man. But then he does something that makes this a step of faith. He says to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I don't know if you remember the story of, uh, oh, what's his name, Nathan, in the Old Testament. I think that's his name, or Nahum, one of those two. Anyway, he had leprosy. He was the chief of the army, and he had leprosy, and his servant wanted him to, to go and see Jesus, or to go and, and see Elijah at that time. And so he goes to see Elijah, and Elijah tells him, um, you go wash in the, in the sea and do it seven times. Dip yourself in. Do it seven times. And he leaves with his servant, and he's grumbling. Go wash in the river. I mean, it was sort of beneath him to do that. So the servant says, look, if he told you to do something really difficult, wouldn't you have gone and done that? He agrees, so he goes and he washes, and when he comes out, he's clean. Well, this is sort of the same circumstance. You've got to go do it. He wouldn't be healed if he didn't follow through on the directions. Go wash in this, in this pool. And he goes and he washes, and, he sa- and it says, so the man went, washed, and came home seeing. What would you think of that if you were born blind from the very beginning? And now you see for the first time. Sometimes we go the other way around. We already see all of this, and then we go blind. And we don't react well to not being able to see. What kind of a reaction would it be to see everything all of a sudden? But the story doesn't stop there. He goes there, and uh, now we're going to read another section. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. So the story for him is his Everybody can't believe he can see, so some of them are saying, yeah, this is the guy. I know him. This is the guy. Others say, oh, just kind of looks like him. You ever see someone in a store and think, oh, I've been in a store once and thought I saw Jim. It's a good thing I didn't walk up to him and say, hi, Jim, because I saw him from behind, saw him from the side, thought it was Jim. When he turned around, it definitely was not Jim. But he sort of looked like him at first. You had that experience sometimes. Well, here, these guys were not, some of them weren't so sure. Some of them were sure. But he insisted, I am the man. So they ask him, how did your eyes get open? And he tells them the story. So they want to know where he is. He doesn't know. 
He wasn't, he isn't there. He wasn't around him anymore. He went and washed in the pool. So they brought him to the Pharisees. So we'll read another little section. They brought him to the Pharisees. Uh, the man, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind men. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still do not believe that he had been blind and had sent, received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how can he see now or open his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So here we have that first encounter of the Pharisees. The man's already explained himself once to other people. Now the Pharisees ask him, and he explains the same thing. Simple and to the point. He put mud on my eyes. I went and washed. I can see. That's a pretty simple message, but they have a great discussion, and, and uh, they want to know they want to know who it was, and he said the, the man they called Jesus made mud. Uh, when he told the Pharisees, he, sa he said he put, this man put mud, Jesus put mud in my eyes, and, and I washed, and now I see. Now the Pharisees started to have a discussion. They were divided. Some thought, oh, he can't be of God. He did this on the Sabbath day. He should be keeping the Sabbath. The others thought, wow, how else could they have been open? This is a, a miracle, so a sinner can't do miraculous signs. Not like these signs. That's not possible. And so they're having this discussion, and, and then uh, they still aren't sure that he's really that son. So what do they do? They call in the parents. Now, you got to imagine, you know, I can't say Josh because Josh is too old now. But maybe back when I was young and Josh was 17 or 18, they'd call me in to verify that it's my son. And that he really was born blind. But they want to know, how did he get unblind? How can he see? And so they ask me, well, I don't want to get in trouble, you know. I belong to this group, and they're going to kick me out if I say that he was Jesus the Christ. So I don't want to talk about it. So I say, look, Josh is of age. Ask him. Don't ask me. I don't mind if he gets kicked out, but keep me out of this. <laughs> you know. Um, so here they are. They're, they're trying to keep from being in the middle of all of this. And they know he's not going to respond. They're not going to respond well. So they put it off on their son. 
So they come back to him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. There's a little common sense going on here, but I think it's interesting. They want to respond, uh, we know this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus Christ. They're talking about God who became man who doesn't sin. He's sinless. He's going to be the, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And they say, we know he's a sinner. Sometimes you talk to people about the Lord and they tell you, oh, we know this isn't true. And they give you all the reasons they know. And you have this discussion that doesn't make sense because how do they know? You have more information than they have and it's first source information. It's people who saw it happen. They're coming up with all kinds of ways to negate what you say. Well, here, he, they're coming up right away and saying, hey, we know this man's a sinner. He replies, wisely so. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind, and now I see. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? I was blind, and now I see. And uh, so he answers them again and says, oh, he says, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answers, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Now, his mom and dad were worried about what they would do, but apparently this guy is not worried about it. He's regained his sight. And he's answering honestly to them. And I think it's funny that he's standing up strong. Well, you didn't listen to me the first time. If I tell you again, are you going to become his disciple? They get upset. Then they hurl insults at him. Now, it's funny. The idea of hurling insults here is they really go after this guy. This isn't nice, soft stuff. You know, it's not my grandson coming up and poking my stomach and saying, oh, you're a little pudgy, Grandpa. You know, it's not something like that. It's something way worse. They start throwing insults at him, all kinds of insults that are cut to the bone kind of stuff. And as they get down there, he says, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answers, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Now, if we just stop there, he's done an admirable job, don't you think? He's answered them with something that should make sense. First thing, though, is he kind of cut back. Well, this is remarkable. 
You don't know. You don't understand. You don't know what happened. Is something wrong here? You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Now, it's interesting, in the, if we talk, take the scriptures as we know it, we know where Christ was born. Where was he born? In Bethlehem. Where was he supposed to come from? Bethlehem. But where did he live? So everybody who knew him thought he was from Nazareth. And that meant that this couldn't possibly be Jesus the Christ because he didn't come from the right place. And they didn't look into it enough to know. So this man's coming along, says, you don't know where he comes from, yet he can open my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly men who do his will. Nobody's ever heard of somebody opening a blind man's eyes before. If this man were not of God, he could not do this. So his answer's simple. This couldn't be a sinner. God doesn't listen to sinners. He doesn't answer prayers like that, uh, open this blind man's eyes. He's not, if you're not a servant of the Lord, he's not going to respond to that. He says, but he does answer those who are serving him and doing his will and, and are where God wants them to be. And here, this is Jesus Christ, and he says, um, it's obvious that this is, must be Jesus. He must be from God, or else he could not do anything. So he's answered them very well every time, and to this they reply, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us and throw him out. Now, was he steeped in sin at birth? He had a sin nature. He wasn't steeped in sin. In fact, the Lord plainly says, wasn't his sin that made him blind. So they jump on that as if he, and as if he had a, anything to do with it, if he was... If he was steeped in sin at birth, he hadn't done anything to create that situation yet. But they answer like, this has to be true. And then they get mad at him because he lectured them. And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So the discussion goes on, and, and the man, Jesus, finds him. Um, I don't think Jesus had to look for him. I think Jesus knew where he was, but he had to go to him. And he found him, 
and he had this discussion with him. And the question is, do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, we already know that in order to clear his eyes up, he had to believe in this man enough that he'd go wash. And then his sight regained. So he knows there's something special going on here. And he, when Christ seeks him out, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And his answer is, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe. He says, you have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you now. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. At that point, this man has come full circle. He's been blind. This all happens in the course of a day. He's been blind. He is able to see. He's been questioned three times. He's answered well. They've cast him out of the synagogue. And he meets Jesus and believes. That's a full day, don't you think? That's a full day. He came from not knowing God and being blind to coming to a belief in Jesus Christ. Christ reminds us then that he came into the world to affect the world. You know, here, controversy. His effect was controversy. By his very nature, by what he's doing, he's creating controversy because people don't believe in him. When you talk to people today, do you ever create controversy? I remember Josh used to put signs up. He used to take them with you to uh, the park here and back on Nantucket. Do you ever create controversy? <laughs> Sharing Christ creates controversy. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. Some people will argue tooth and nail that it's not true and give you all kinds of reasons why it isn't. Because if it's true, they have to deal with God. And people don't want to deal with God. They want to do what they want to do. So by his very nature, as the Son of God, he creates controversy. Opens the eyes of some, blinds the eyes of others. But then there are those who really should be able to see and refuse to see. And he says their guilt remains. He does these signs and people believe, but the Lord is always looking for people who would believe. In fact, Peter says in Peter 1.8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. We may not see Jesus Christ in our presence, but you know the story. And you know that the change that happened in your life was remarkable. Done by a great God. As we look at this, next week I finish, and I finish with my hopefully reasonably good finale to tie this all together. But to me, the one thing this tells us today 
you believe in a God of great power, one who cares about you and can do marvelous things. And even when he doesn't change your life in exactly the way you want him to change it, he still gives you strength and direction and ability to live through that life. Here, Jesus Christ changed lives. But this man's life, although he could see, started with turmoil, didn't it? Right here. His new life in Christ started with turmoil. He was about to enter a period where he would be persecuted for what he believed. And yet he came to know the Son of God. We know the Son of God if you've come to Christ. And all these things are the stories of what he did. And we're only scratching the surface. It's no wonder John says, uh, I suppose if we wrote everything down, the earth could not hold the volumes. Think about that when you think about your Savior. What kind of a God do you have? What can he do? He's changed all your lives and brought you to Christ. That's amazing. Next week, we'll talk about the greatest miracle. You'll probably be excited to hear that. Maybe some of you think you know already. That'll be nice if you think you do. Maybe I'll ask you all before I start to see how many of you get it right before I start preaching. But you want to focus on the fact that even though he's come to you and brought you to him doesn't mean life is simple. In fact, knowing him may actually cause controversy for you. Because you live a different way. You walk in a different path. The world doesn't go where you go. The world doesn't think the way you do. So maybe like this man, we need to seek him out more often and remember that the one who saved us is the son of the living God, God himself. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we need you in our lives. We recognize what an amazing thing you did for this man and, and how he answered us. This story was not just for fun to read, but to recognize that as you work in men's lives, they respond in excellent ways or they respond against you. Lord, we pray that as your children, we would keep responding by, by coming to you, by looking to you, by spending time with you, by learning from your word, that, Lord, we would remember who you are. You're the one true holy God, and you brought us into your family. We don't understand why you would do that, but we do know that you love us. Thank you for bringing us in your family. Help us to focus on you and to grow by it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Forgot my hymn book. Hymn number 534. 534. We're going to stand and sing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.
so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've probed him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood. Just from Jesus' name plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've probed him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Thus from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I probed him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've probed him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Gracious Father, to be able to stand up here and see those you brought to the Lord, to you, that's amazing. Lord, you do such a great work. And, and Lord, we would want everybody to know you and, and definitely hope that if there's anyone here who doesn't, that they'll take the opportunity to talk about it and, and come to know you as Savior. Father, in the meantime, help us with our faith that we might believe. Help us to grow, to trust you more, even as the song says, and even as those in the scriptures have done. Help our faith to give us a different glimpse of you, that we might see you as the God who can do anything. Give us strength through it. Help us to know your presence. Help us to grow to love you more, because we know you love us most. Thank you, Father, for all that you do in Christ's name. You're dismissed. Good job this morning. Excellent job. It went smoothly.
Yes. Without a hitch, except for remembering a few words here. <laughs> I like to mess up the words sometimes. 